Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. Today, for your listening pleasure, we have an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on January 21st of 2018 under the headline, Davy Crockett in Oregon? Yes, but only in Tall Tales. Here we go. Nearly everyone knows the story of David Crockett, the Tennessee mountain man and later politician turned folk hero who died at the Alamo in 1836. Most of us just remember the details from the old Fess Parker song and TV miniseries commissioned by Disney in 1955. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. What isn't remembered much today is that Davy Crockett had a long, colorful, posthumous existence as a character, and about 20 years of tall tales published anonymously in several different Davy Crockett almanacs from the mid-1830s through the run-up to the Civil War. They were two totally different guys, too. The real David Crockett had no use for Andrew Jackson, bitterly opposing him for his Indian policies. The legend, though, introduced himself in the pages of his almanac as, quote, That same David Crockett, fresh from the backwoods, half horse, half alligator, little touched with the snapping turtle, can wade the Mississippi, leap the Ohio, ride upon a streak of lightning, and slip without a scratch down a honey locust tree, can whip my wading wildcats, and whip any man opposed to Jackson. Several different publishers produced Crockett almanacs, but they were very similar. Each year's edition featured pages and pages of stories illustrated with woodcuts and written in a pastiche of Crockett's storytelling style. These were tall tales, like those of Paul Bunyan and John Henry, only they were about somebody who everyone knew actually existed, and they were extremely popular. And although David Crockett, the man, probably knew little or nothing about Oregon, Davy Crockett, the legend, had a great deal to say on the subject, starting in the mid-1840s with the 54-40-year fight controversy over borders with the British, and heating up later in the decade as emigration on the Oregon Trail started in earnest. In 1950, Oregon poet and folklore historian Vern Bright, while researching a book project on the American frontier folklore, found a rich trove of Davy Crockett almanacs, full of tales about Davy and the Beaver State. Bright, a frequent contributor to the Oregon Historical Quarterly, promptly prepared a selection of some of the juiciest morsels for publication. Here are some of the highlights from what he found. Quote, I suppose you has heard of them diggings out west that are called Oregon, and how the British wants to have joint occupancy of that air clearing. It's a sort of innovation that we can't take care of it alone, and it puts me in mind of the joint occupancy of me and a painter, that's Panther, by the way, when we both found ourselves together on the branch of a tree, the place war big enough for us both, but we couldn't agree to stay there together. There war once a pesky Yankee peddler that put up at my house, and he had as much bear meat and whiskey in his long guts as he could carry, but he wasn't satisfied with that, for he wanted to have the joint occupancy of my wife, too. So when I got out of bed early in the morning, he crept along to the disputed territory and begun to turn down the coverlid. My wife heard him and made believe she were asleep, but she kept one eye open. 
Just as he put one leg into bed, she took a clothesline that hung close by and tied it round his ankle and made him fast by one leg to the bedpost, and then she got up and opened a hive of bees on him. He danced and roared most beautiful, and I think John Bull will do the same when he gets among the Yankee bees of Oregon. Bright gives no dates on these tidbits, but this one surely dates from 1845 or 1846, during the height of the 54-40-year fight controversy. The joint occupancy system he refers to ended in 1846 with the ratification of the Oregon Treaty, which set the boundary between Oregon and Canada where it stands today, at 49 degrees. Several of the stories make it very clear that the anonymous writers of Davy Crockett's adventures were completely unfamiliar with Oregon. One tells the story of his ascent of a mile-high cliff with the help and occasional hindrance of his dog, Wolf Hunter, his pet bear, Death Hug, and a huge bull elk he caught and tamed along the way. After Death Hug peeks over the edge and panics, he and the other animals all tumble down the mountain, leaving Davy high and dry on top, so he pulls out a plug of the Kentucky Leaf of Consolation, takes a big chaw, and makes a flume of frozen tobacco juice and slides down to safety upon it. Another story recounts Davy's battle with the Great Snake of Oregon, compared with which the, quote, parable handy conda, the boa constrictor, and the eternal long, strong, and never-to-be-felt-or-caught sea snake is nothing. Later, the writer, or one of his colleagues, seems to be under the impression that Oregon was infested with herds of supersized bison. Quote, I have had dealings with several samples of mammoths in my daring days and nights of terrific adventure, such as mammoth porkers, mammoth... Here appears a racial slur referring to Native Americans. Serpents, wild cats, and catfish, he writes. But I found a mammoth buffalo, the most sassourageous and hydrophobish of any monster critter that turned out to try human courage or combativeness. Now, I don't fear to own up that when I come across the first and worst of these varmints that I had ever seen, my skin had a little touch of the geese flash, cause I half thought he were the devil come out to Oregon for the disputed territory. For he skipped and roared and snorted and foamed about as though he were master of the entire track clean up to 5440, and it were only because I found he had no cloven hoof that I made up my mind he were a buffalo. I set up with old Thunderbolt and let go at him, but the bullet only rolled off like toe balls from a pop gun and the wad set fire to his ten-foot mane, and that made him more rambustrous, and he made right into me with his mouth foaming aquafortis, and his eyes flashing out volcanic eruptions. I dodged and grinned a little earthquake humor at him, till the ground began to shake and reel with the noise. He made another tornado rush into me, and when I sprung upward and let him slip back between my lower beams, and then sprung right upon his back, and seizing his tail in my one hand and his mane in the other while my dog Bull Shark took him by the snout, making a good bridle bit, I rode him clar down from the rocky to the Pacific Pond, where I shipped him off as a curiosity to China. To modern ears, these tall tales of frontier Oregon can get very awkward and embarrassing at times, particularly when Native Americans are discussed. But the rough-hewn, colorful style of these stories, with their made-up words and idiosyncratic spellings and overall attitude of self-sufficiency, went a long way toward forging the cultural identity we recognize and respond to as Westerners today. And of course, the tall tale has never really gone out of style. Not in Oregon, at any rate. Key sources in this story included works by Vern Bright and Catherine Falzoni. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. 
Check out our hub page at offbeatoregon.com to explore all the other things we do or to find full citations and visuals that go with today's show. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details of that, see offbeatoregon.com cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Offbeat Oregon History episodes are uploaded every weekday morning at around 6 a.m., so it'll be a couple of days before you get your next fix. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day and the subsequent weekend with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.